Hello and welcome back to series two of the Why I Knit podcast. My name is Dr Mia Hobbs and I'm a clinical psychologist who's passionate about knitting and its benefits for our mental well-being. Each episode I interview a different knitter about why they knit and how it benefits their mental health. This week on the podcast I'm joined by Claire Mountain Manapon, also known as Sister Mountain. Claire is a pattern designer who has developed her own sweater design school where she is a mentor for other people embarking on their journey as knitting pattern designers. Hi Claire, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. You're very welcome, it's really nice to see you again because we met, I was trying to think how many years ago we met at the Loop Knit Night. I would say maybe four, five years ago, it was a while ago I think. It was a while ago, yeah, Yeah. my kids were quite small. I know, I know. And now I have my own kid. <laughs> yes. And how, how many months is he? He is nearly nine months. He'll be nine months next week. He's growing at an alarming rate. <laughs> and how has he affected your ability to do any knitting? Uh, I would say it is significantly reduced, mm-hmm. <laughs> sadly. I can believe um, that. But obviously worth it. Yeah. No, I would say um, I'm lucky if I get half an hour in, in the evening, mm. if that. Um, there are some days when I am so absolutely exhausted that I'm, all I have energy for is just to flop on the couch. But I do try because I I know how much it makes me feel good when I knit. But mm. I just you know I do try to make time for it every evening. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I usually start with asking where your story with knitting began. So where did yours start, Claire? Well, I learned to knit when I was a really young child. Um. It was kind of that typical story, like my grandma knits she taught me to knit um I knit like little teddy bear scarves and things like that um and then there was one Christmas or new year that my family was going on a hiking holiday and I was at that age where I was like I don't want to go on a hiking holiday I'm going to go stay with my grandma I was in my early teens probably like 13 at the time or something and um, I went to stay with her for about a week and um she she did a jumper with me so I chose the yarn um and it was like a chunky yarn and yeah it has intarsia on the front now I had absolutely no idea how to do intarsia I'm one of those knitters I've always been that kind of thing where I'm just like yeah I'll just figure it out like I've always I've never been afraid of skill levels but yeah I decided to knit this intarsia jumper intarsia was absolutely not intarsia as in I did it completely incorrectly I think I kind of did standard color work in a very strange fashion on there not even like traditional ones I think I was wrapping it behind every stitch I don't even know but either way I ended up with a jumper and then just the love affair just blossomed and I was knitting every day all throughout my teens I ended up studying fashion knitwear design um, at university and went to work in the professional knitwear industry and now I work entirely in the hand knitting industry um, as a indie designer, but also as a knitting pattern design teacher. Mm. So it's been a long journey. Yeah. And you didn't, you kept going basically from when you were 13 and you made that amazing jumper. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I just couldn't stop once I started. So I was about, yeah, I think it was about 13 when I knitted that jumper. Um, and I remember even in my um, English class, we had to do some sort of presentation. Um, about any topic of our choice and I decided I was going to do a presentation about knitting to all of my class members and um, I mean I'm not sure entirely whether they enjoyed it or not but yeah I've just loved knitting um, and I've knitted 
almost daily ever since. Mm. And how, yeah. what was, can you remember what your classmates thought of you? Because I remember, you know, I was always the only person knitting, for example, during my doctorate. But by that yes. point, I was 25 and over. So I was kind yeah. of OK with it. But I don't know whether I would have had the confidence at the age of 15, for example. <laughs> I think I was... Um, a bit of a strange kid anyway um like I didn't have a great time in school like I was bullied quite badly um and so I think it got to the point where I was just a bit like yeah <laughs> um so I think there were some people who were interested in it some people who just thought it was a little bit lame maybe mm. um or a bit stupid but I don't know I didn't get any more trouble than I normally would from it to be honest and yeah. I think as well um there were some people who I was friends with who were very creative and I think they quite liked the idea that I made my own clothes even if mm. it was maybe through a format I think perhaps if I was like really into sewing maybe it would have been a bit cooler <laughs> in their eyes okay. I think just generally the fact that I could you know make my own clothes was considered quite interesting to those mm. people who were creative hmm. yeah. and um I'm interested in the idea that the first thing you made was an intarsia jumper which is quite yeah. high level <laughs> yeah I mean, I, again, I think it was just that I um, I quite like this for other knitters as well. Like, I feel like sometimes when you're learning to knit, it depends on your personality type, but when you're learning to knit, it can be very tempting to just do a very plain scarf because it's, you know, temp it's just sort of simple. You don't have to deal with any shaping. Um, but people often get bored because they don't necessarily love how it looks quite a long project um and I suppose a jumper is as well but <laughs> I, I really loved how it looked and so that was kind of the motivation for me is like I really wanted to wear it and therefore mm -hmm. I was going to do whatever it took to do the project um not necessarily expertly <laughs> it was definitely a bit rough around the edges but I was so proud of it and I wore it a ton mm -hmm. um I think that can be a really lovely way to approach knitting in a way is just having like choosing what you want to wear and then learning the skills involved to do it. Yeah, I think the motivation yeah. will be greater, won't it? Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people give up because they start knitting a scarf and actually a scarf is just too big. Like I would struggle to knit a whole scarf oh, because 100%. I'd lose my mojo halfway yeah. through. Yeah, it and it's just a really no, interesting scarf for me. There's <laughs> no like, differing instructions to kind of keep you going. It's all yeah. just do the same thing. For or a, a milestone, like a yeah, sleeve exactly. separation or something. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I kind of need those milestones to keep me, you know, just one more row, just one more row. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think sometimes, like, I've certainly heard about, and I think this is true for me, that people at the beginning, because they didn't quite know the um, the scale of the challenge they were taking on just mm. kind of thought oh yeah I'll do that well they knitted something without a pattern that's something I've heard about or knitted quite a challenging pattern because they didn't quite realize how challenging it was 100%. and then maybe now as a more experienced knitter wouldn't dive in in the same way which in a way is a shame <laughs> yeah yeah I completely agree it's um I think you're totally right often you as a beginner you don't necessarily realize quite how complex things can be I was doing loads of cables and you know fully chartered lace stuff I think just because I didn't realize that it was considered complex and as well you know, this was before Ravelry even I think mm. Ravelry was like 2007 this was you know years before Ravelry um so I'd had nothing to compare it to I didn't know any knitters other than my nanan who was a great knitter and she didn't ever discourage me from doing things that were complex. yeah she must have done a good job by saying yeah, yeah go for it with your entire sweater <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, it's so funny to think about, really, in hindsight. Um, yeah, she never made me feel like it wasn't doable. Um, mm. I just, yeah, just sat on the couch with her and knitted. It was lovely. Mm. Yeah, very nice. So that was a good choice to miss that hiking holiday, as it turns it out. It totally was. It totally was. I mean, even to this day, I think I'd rather have a cosy, you know, sit in a cosy pub and knit than go on a hike. Is that bad? <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> you found your zone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I suppose I'm interested in why you knit now mm. and how you feel it benefits your mental well-being. Okay, so I think the primary reason why I knit in general is um I really I'm a bit of a I love clothes Mm -hmm. I love deciding I love like having an idea of what I want to wear and coming up with a kind of vision for an outfit um and then also I think I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to I'm very particular about what I like to wear hence why I like making my own clothes because you have so much more control over the you know the the materials that you use the colors the shape all of that and I think, you know, design obviously plays into that because I do get so much control over it. But no, I get a lot of joy, I suppose, from expressing myself through clothes. Um, and even, you know, looking back to when I was in my late teens, I remember that when I finished school, I moved on to college. And like I said, school was not a great chapter for me, but moving on to college, I felt like it was a fresh start. And I remember when I went there, I felt like I could dress however I wanted because I didn't feel like I had to fit into this idea of what you know the people at school thought about me mm-hmm. I could just be this new person I could dress the way I wanted um and even to this day it's like I feel it feels good to express myself through clothing so mm. I definitely am a product knitter as well as a process knitter okay yeah. but even simply the process of knitting is it, it's just so satisfying to me I think I can be a bit of an anxious person worry about like am I doing enough like feeling like I've got this endless kind of to-do list and feeling like it never quite I never quite feel finished or never feel like I'm making progress um and with knitting you can you know knit and you can see your progress like you're spending time and you get something out of it it doesn't ever feel like you know even with long projects you still see that you are making progress all the time and for me that's just a lovely feeling it's Mm -hmm. reassuring in a way so in a way it isn't so much about the action Mm. it's it's about the feeling of like this is a tangible visible way of seeing what I did today or in the last half an hour yeah I think that's exactly it I really I love the process of knitting anyway like I, I really enjoy making things there's something lovely about having an idea grabbing the yarn and then being able to kind of knit it and kind of create something beautiful but yeah I don't know and there is I I have always been into things that are kind of repetitive Mm. meditative um but I don't mind for example like folding clothes just like having a pile of stuff and just sitting there and folding it like I kind of like the rhythm of something repetitive like that Mm -hmm. um and I think knitting plays into that like I I really am quite happy to do these repetitive tasks I find it quite calming but no, I think for me, the, the primary joy that I get out of it and the, the primary way that it helps perhaps with my mental health is just seeing this tangible example of, of what I'm able to do. Mm. Yeah. So the sense of achievement yeah. of having made it yourself and also yeah. a demonstration of this happened today. 
yeah yeah exactly. and it sounds like the self-expression thing is also important like with the finished oh, object that 100%. it's wearable yeah yeah that's exactly it like I've tried um knitting other things but I you know I really I like making things maybe for the home or um I've tried doing kind of socks and I like the practical side of it but I must admit I'm really drawn to sweaters and jumpers because um I feel like it's a, a greater canvas to kind of um put my I don't know my taste and my um my personal style into mm. is it is that different to it being like art like a wearable art mm. is it more about like you showing this is who I am or is it or is it both maybe I think my pieces never feel like wearable art to me because I I'm always my I suppose I tend to err on the side of like practicality as well as like something being beautiful and sometimes I can't it doesn't feel practical to me if it's too elaborate or um a lot of design details in there it can be very beautiful but it doesn't feel like me because it doesn't feel functional in my daily life yeah so um yeah I think my I'm trying to think of how I describe it like I I'm very much into that kind of functional beautiful knits um, and so I don't know I, think, I suppose it is more just who I am it's about yeah. who I am and so it's it's like it may not be particularly maybe it may even look quite mundane to someone else but for me it's something that I've put a lot of intention into mm-hmm. and I've thought about how will this how do I want it to look on me how do I want it to feel how like how comfortable do I want it to be like I'm not someone who enjoys wearing form-fitting stuff I don't like feeling restricted when I'm moving around I like kind of oversized billowy stuff Mm. (laughs) and so um that's you know that's the kind of thing that I would knit because it feels feels like me (laughs) yeah so it is very much self-expression yeah 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 and you must get an even enhanced layer of that being a designer and not just a knitter where you're looking at other people's patterns and that's the pool you get to choose from to knit yeah it's it's just wonderful because you you know you're you're thinking about every element of the design and I must admit I do tend to design with myself in mind there are occasions where I'll design to a brief you know to like for a publication and I'll design something that I wouldn't necessarily wear but I do like yeah a lot of the time I am thinking about you know what I want for my own wardrobe um I really yeah it's just lovely having control over all of those different elements your likes and dislikes the way you want it to fit even you know selfishly I'm thinking about my wardrobe you know like yeah it's it's so lovely to be able to essentially dream up whatever I want desire and and be able to turn it into a reality Mm. and how much of it is to do with things like the materials or like for example things like color or texture Mm. does that fit into the that process yes. so in terms of texture and color yes they totally play a part but I tend to find that most of the time my primary inspiration tends to come from like silhouette the shape of the garment but also design details so for example you know if you've ever bought something ready to wear and you see um, something that maybe not everyone would see when you're wearing it but you you know it's like a beautiful lining or like a cuff or trim detail those are the things that really inspire me when I'm designing. So when I'm, I'm just looking at my design board now and I'm just, I, I can see I've got very simple silhouettes for most of them, but every single one of them, I've got maybe two to three sort of smaller design details in there that are very um, unexpected, 
um, and just kind of, yeah, just feel elegant and um, and intentional. You know, sometimes I think as a designer, it could be very tempting to maybe select an all over stitch and then um, pop it on a, a classic silhouette and then maybe use two by two rib trim because you want to do, you want to use that particular stitch. You maybe have a yarn in mind. For me, I like to approach it slightly differently um, and think about every single little element. And sometimes that means that I don't use um, a very busy stitch on the garment because I want to focus on other things. Or if I were to use a busy stitch, then I would choose a more simple option. But mm -hmm. no, I do find that it's, it is that sort of the shape of the garment and the, and the design details that really get me excited. And then the sort of texture and the colour tend to come in afterwards. Okay. And I think about, OK, what can I what texture of yarn or color of yarn can I use that will bring out the beauty in these primary elements that I want to emphasize? Okay, so it's the joys in the details yeah, and the, the little details. surprises. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's yeah. the bit that makes your heart sing. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. I, I, I could talk about it for ages. I often talk about this, I teach, um, I teach a, a pullover design course and I often talk about this with my students. And I think it really plays back into the work that I did as a swatch designer when I worked in the commercial knitwear industry, we would be, you know, coming up with new designs every day and knitting up little prototypes of them. And my boss would always talk about how, you know, choose maybe two to three design elements and focus on those and making them really beautiful rather than trying to chuck everything at this one design. Mm. Um, and I think the way that I've always interpreted that is like, it might even be that you you know got a functional element in your design such as shaping that has to be there and so you might as well make that beautiful and turn it into a feature um that you can then kind of I don't know celebrate as opposed to hide away mm. to me that sounds like there's that's harder to achieve mm. as a designer than for example putting a stitch pattern or a I don't know colour work motif all over something and then using a more standard design where the shaping yeah. I guess you can use a book that can tell you the number that the maths but yeah. turning the shaping into a particular design feature probably is harder <laughs> yeah it can be harder um but it's very satisfying at the end mm, and I tend sure. to find as well that people who've gone through the process of really thinking through every single element of their design rather than just prioritizing maybe the stitch or the pattern and then putting it on almost like a template um there tends to be more satisfaction with the design because they really have chosen everything rather mm. than going into automatic pilot and just choosing their defaults yeah yeah that's yeah. amazing in terms of you as a knitter yeah. are there what do you gravitate does it it sounds like a lot of your design process is, is about the end product rather than the yeah. process of knitting it. Yeah. How about you as a knitter? Are there particular things you gravitate towards? Do you prefer the kind of more rhythmical stitch patterns that are more simple, if that's not a rude No, no, that is absolutely what I gravitate towards. I, my, my kind of, I'm very, I love a beautiful feeling yarn. Um, so I I'm very tactile. I love the, the choosing, working with patterns where I get to use a lovely yarn, not too worried about um, patterns and, you know, variegated yarns, that kind of thing. It's not necessarily my vibe, but 
like a really beautiful texture yarn or something in a really special color totally drawn to that and then in terms of the actual stitch patterns I'm much more of a knit pearl kind of texture person than I am really even cables I do enjoy knitting cables but it's not my favorite I really am I'm very basic <laughs> I can do color work I could do base I could do cables but I've realized that what I enjoy knitting the most what mm. I find most relaxing and in the end what I find more wearable at the end is the simple stuff <laughs> yeah that's good that they all match together though yeah, it'd be tricky true. if you were someone who wanted to spend time knitting colour work, but actually it wasn't what you wanted to wear. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. That's so true. Hmm. Yeah. And I think the main thing is that we all figure out what we need, isn't it? I think that's the really important, you know, I was writing something about how do you make knitting more therapeutic for you? And I think yeah. that's the ideal thing, isn't it? That you find that those yeah. rhythmical stitch patterns of knits and pearls, yeah. that's what floats your boat yeah yeah and you exactly. do that and maybe I need some color work to engage my brain to stop it thinking freelancing and thinking about other things <laughs> yeah totally but it's perfect the knitting can give both of us those things even though they're different yeah that's that's absolutely the beauty of knitting is there are so many there are so many routes you can take it so many options you can go super super complex and really you know just intricate stuff that is to be honest, very fun to knit, actually, um, if you're in the right mood. And for some people, that is like their their thing. They love doing that. Um, or you can you can spend, still get hours of enjoyment from knitting, uh, you know, a stockinette sweater. Yeah. <laughs> it it yeah. can still be equally as um, enjoyable and therapeutic. Yeah, and I think a lot of people I've talked to, and certainly something I find for myself, is I need a number of projects on the go so that I've got, mm. I do need a complicated one, I think, for yeah. my brain. And also, yes. actually, um, because I think if I knit something very easy, I can knit too quickly and get um, pain, mm. like RSI, because I think I need something oh, that yeah. slows me down so mm. that I can engage my brain in it, but not hurt my shoulder, basically. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes um, but I also sense. need, like, a... For yesterday supervising two children homeschooling a plain <laughs> yeah. sock on the go so that I can see I may not have had access to my laptop or ticked anything off my to-do list but I did knit exactly. of a sock yeah. <laughs> a mitten actually it was no I think that's um that's so true I never used to be someone who um had multiple projects on the go mm. I think possibly budget reasons as well like I would only I'd buy a yarn I would knit the project intended for that yarn. And then once I finished that project, I'd buy a new yarn, new project. Now, as a, an adult, I have a bit more expendable income and I'm able to have maybe two, three projects on the go. I do find, though, that interestingly, I tend to favour one project and the other two tend to be at the bottom of the pile. And I really almost have to force myself to work on them. Mm. So I, I, I wonder if I'm possibly a monogamous knitter. Mm. Um, that is attempting to, to branch out into having multiple projects on the go but yeah I I, I do like that single tasking thing because again it perhaps it's the the sign of progress for me sometimes I feel Ooh. like when I'm working on so many things at once I don't get as much done on a single project I have to wait longer for the yeah final it dilutes result. it doesn't it I yeah exactly so I wonder yeah. if that's maybe why actually thinking about Ooh. it yeah is there, are there times your work forces you into polygamy 100%. with the knitting projects <laughs> yeah yeah yes, okay totally yeah I'll have multiple things on the go and then normally you know I'll have maybe a personal project as well and then now with Nico I tend to have a little something on the go for him as well so mm. yeah it's but I don't I think I do find it more relaxing 
something actually to just have a single thing mm. I think I'm like that in daily life I like just doing one single thing I'm not a big fan of multitasking I feel a bit overwhelmed by it and I there is a bit of that that can creep in if I had too many things mm. in my knitting basket I like I do like having a bit more focus mm. yeah. do you think you've learned more about what you need as a knitter like over time and how you work best yeah I, I definitely do um probably in the last five years I would say I've really started being very very um what's the word I I think through my I'd be more impulsive in the past about what Mm. I was going to knit so I'd be more impulsive with yarn purchasing but also with projects that I was casting on I'd almost find a project that I like um and a yarn that I liked and cast on which sounds fantastic right but my experience is that sometimes the end project I feel disappointed because it's maybe not something that I'm going to regularly use um I'm not going to wear it as much and I've realized that for myself um you know I I need to consider all of that and so it's really only in the last five years that I've kind of discovered that about myself and I find that these days I have much less sort of situations where I knitted something and I realize oh this isn't quite what I wanted it to be um in the past there'll be a few more where I knit a sweater and I'm like oh I like it but it's not I can't see I I don't use it very often Mm. Um, so it's more intentional now yeah it's more intentional now for sure Mm. yeah okay um I was just going to ask about color yeah about whether you whether color makes a difference in terms of it sounds like the tech you're very much a kind of tactile texture person in terms of the knitting feeling yeah I don't know if that's a comfort thing that's probably my word not yours or I think it could be a comfort thing yeah I I love and it, it does I'm not necessarily when I'm saying um it has to feel great I don't necessarily mean that it has to be soft as well yeah. like it, it I really love a woolly wool as well but um I am yeah super so it's, it's, but it's a texture, texture experience for mm, you a texture experience yeah yeah and yeah. how about the color does it matter what color you're knitting with yes yeah I have I, I call it my internal color palette because I find that I'm drawn to the same colors all the time and mm-hmm. um, I went through a stage so the time I was talking about when I was in college um, and I was exploring what I wanted to wear, it's very colourful and I really enjoyed playing with colour. And then when I went to fashion school, I actually found that I pushed that down um, because I wanted to be cool <laughs> and I wanted to wear black like all the other fashion students. Okay. Um, and I think um, I didn't allow myself to have fun with colour in the way that I could have done at the time. And so it took a little bit of undoing after fashion school and leaving the commercial industry, like knitwear industry. Because um, again, you, you do feel maybe that peer pressure to sort of look a certain way or where, I guess, what is considered fashionable. Now, I, I've tapped into what colours I really enjoy wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's, and it's really just, I don't know, I'm just drawn to them. Um, I can I can literally just like vision them in front of me the, the colors I'm drawn to um and they I, I suppose I don't tend to veer away from them too much because there are times when I've done that I like a color but then I find that I don't tend to wear it mm-hmm. um so I, I think color for me is something I love playing with I love exploring it in the home I love exploring it in art things like that when it comes to 
my knitwear, whether I'm designing or whether I'm knitting for myself, is a bit more boxed in just because I suppose I'm thinking about that functionality for myself. And also when you're designing, colour is a little bit limited by photography as well. You can't go too dark because it could be hard to photograph the details and things like that. It can be a bit more limited, but no, certainly with knitwear, I get excited by it, but I, it's, it's within limits to yeah. a certain extent. It's when, within these boundaries of my mind where I'm like, okay, this has got to be functional too. How's it going to fit in with the wardrobe? And how would you describe your kind of comfort palette, your internal palette? It is neutrals yeah. with pops of kind of more earthy, earthy kind of pinks and clays and turquoises, olives, that kind of things. So I'll, I, you know, I've got plenty of kind of navy and camel and grey, charcoal, cream, that kind of thing in my wardrobe. But in terms of pops of colour, they tend to be more accents mm-hmm. um, and it will be, yeah, like those kind of blush pinks, clays, turquoises, mm-hmm. olives, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it feels feminine, but quite natural. And it sounds like it feels like it, it's not a uh, fashion school hangover. It's no. It feels very <laughs> true to myself. It yeah. feels very true to myself. And what's really interesting is now, Nico has, he's, you know, he's non-verbal at the moment. And I must admit, I, I find myself buying him clothes in those, in my internal colour palette. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's just what I'm drawn to. But it's hilarious because often we'll go out and we're like, People will say, oh, you're matching today. I'm like, I really have such a, a formed colour palette. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wondered whether you knitting for Nico actually thinking, oh, I'm going to knit in a bright yellow because it's not for me and it's different mm. and it's fun. I don't know. Or whether he's, but it sounds like do, he's been assimilated into your palette. I know currently. he has. It's quite bad. <laughs> I, I do have certain colours, though, that I knit for him that I love don't look good on me like I I'm very very pale mustard yellow is not the best color on me it can make me look a bit sallow um but I really love mustard yellow and he looks amazing in it so I do knit things or buy him things in mustard yellow because he just looks great in it um but I put him in loads of pink and people are just like oh it's a a girl but I I you know I'm a strong believer that color is color and anyone can wear color yeah and um and yeah he does tend to wear my internal color palette (laughs) um I'd love for you to tell me about a significant knitting project Claire if you've got one in mind significant knitting project I suppose it would be a design project that yeah. I did knit um and it would be my first I believe it was my first published project um and it was on the cover of liner magazine it was years ago I think 2017 it was one of the early issues and um I remember you know the magazine coming out and I thought oh I'd like to design something in this style it felt quite connected to my own personal style mm-hmm. um and yeah I I designed in um the Fibercoes Road to China Light it's actually a yarn that I picked up just a sample of to knit my sister something um not that long beforehand at a little Christmas market and I thought it was a beautiful yarn and um you know, when I came up with this design idea, it was a drop shoulder sweater. It had this kind of gridded lace pattern that went up the side panels of the sweater and then kind of draped over the shoulder. I just wanted something really light but cosy um, to knit it in that would have good drape because it, it had a bit of positive ease in there. And I, I'd had a feeling that this road to China light would be beautiful for it. And um, yeah, I, I was just shocked, to be honest, that they would even include me in the magazine as a new designer, but also the fact that 
it was eventually on the cover, which was just like blew my mind. And I can remember calling my sister and saying, you won't believe this. Like, this is just, you know, I, I never would have imagined it because I felt, I still felt very new mm-hmm. in the hand knitting industry. Yes, I'd got this experience working in the commercial industry, but it was, you know, totally, no one knew me. No one does, like still, I'm still not, you know, a fully fledged established designer in the way that a lot of designers are. Um, but to me, that just felt like a huge milestone and it made me think maybe I can do this. Maybe I can actually, maybe I can design things that people will want to knit. Yeah. And did that change things for you, that kind of belief? Or did, I don't know, did being on the cover I think I started taking doors? myself more seriously. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I, I saw myself, um, I think I gave myself a bit more trust that mm. I was capable in terms of whether other people maybe took me more seriously a little bit of that maybe as well I did get published again by other people and maybe they saw that as a bit of proof that I could do it could do it um but I think the biggest thing that changed really from having knitted that and it was a lovely knitting experience and you know I went on to work for the Fiberco as well so in a way even just that yarn choice was so significant they're a lovely company I no longer work for them but um, they were a lovely company to work for and a really important part of my you know, who I am now as yeah. you know, a person working in the knitting industry um yeah I don't know it just felt significant on a lot of different levels mm. <laughs> I still have that sample under my bed it's one of those kind of sweaters that I'll often pull out if I go to like a knitting festival or something because it just makes me feel I have a happy feeling related to it so it sounds like that design was really important for you in terms of your, I don't know, mindset as well. Yeah, hundred percent. It it created self belief really. Mm. In the beginning, I was very much kind of figuring out things as I went along and feeling um, an amateur in a way. Um, even though it's funny because obviously I had a lot of training. Um, I'm trained as a knitwear designer. I've done pattern cutting. I can work with machine knitting, hand knitting. I have this history of skills that I've learned over the years um not to mention you know the kind of hand knitting that I've done for years and years beforehand um but I think yeah I don't know I, I still went into it very much feeling unsure of myself um and my capabilities and I think for me being able to go through that process and it really was you know so different to anything I'd done before because I'd only ever self-published previous to that and I wasn't working for deadlines in the same way I wasn't working within someone else's process you know like mm. I had my own ways of doing things and I had to adapt um but having come out of it I realized that I was more than capable of doing it and it gave me that self-belief to continue mm. and now you have your own design school where you're teaching other people to yeah. design yeah I do so I um I have a school called Sweater Design School um it opens up well in the past it's opened up once a year now I'm doing it twice a year now that Nico is in part-time childcare, so mm-hmm. I have a bit more bandwidth to offer to it um but now I teach you know beginner designers how to design their first pullover mm-hmm. and I suppose for me it echoes back to that experience, you know, with that pullover that I designed for Liner. It was that thing of learning that I'm capable and that confidence that comes from having done it and gone through the process. Um, what I find with my students is that that first jumper that they design, there's so much um, umming and eyeing, feeling uncertain. You know, it's, it can be, it's a very complex, you know, process, especially when you're grading into multiple sizes. 
um, there can be a lot of anxiety around whether you're going to be able to achieve it. Mm-hmm. Um, but once they come through the end and they, they get to the end of the process and they've got that final pattern defined, um, there's so much confidence that comes from it. And then they go on to do another one and another mm. one. And it just builds confidence more and more as they go through it. So it is the most I absolutely love um, doing that with them. So it sounds like you get a lot of joy from taking other people through that process that you remember, you know, was pivotal for you. Yeah, it's so exciting because you really do like I'm there with them from the very beginning. So we are, you know, coming up with mood boards, then turning them into sketches and then swatches and, you know, grading it out in a spreadsheet. So you really do see every part of the process and you can see your student, you know, transform this, you know, early idea into a fully fledged garment that they publish and mm. then other people knit it. It's just mm. the most, um, I don't know, it's, it's such a rewarding experience, not only for the student, but also for me to observe it. I, mm. it's, I feel so delighted for them because I know how proud they must feel. Yeah. I don't think you mentioned the name of that, of your pullover. Um, oh, my, the name of my pullover is the Hay Sweater. Hay Sweater. Yeah, yeah. I, I do remember seeing it on the front yes. cover because I think that was around the time we met each other. Yes, I think it probably was. Um, but I'll obviously put a link to it in the show notes. Fab. I always end by asking, what's the greatest gift that knitting has given you for the rest of your life? Oh, my goodness. I would say the greatest gift that it has given me is that feeling of being able to turn my ideas into reality. That is the most wonderful thing. I love being able to dream something up and then execute on it. And it's this tangible thing so there's <laughs> certain the, the magic in that process from idea to a creation magical magical mm. yeah oh that's amazing that's a really interesting and different answer than I've heard before so. <laughs> yeah thank you so much for joining me on the podcast it's been an absolute pleasure to hear about all your ideas thank you and so I think you're the first me. designer actually I think yeah Yeah, so it's really interesting to hear your designer perspective wonderful (laughs) I Um, feel honoured and if people want to find out more about you and your sweater school how would they do that so all they need to do is head to sistermountain.com and there you'll find my blog I update it regularly with um, tips on knitting pattern design and resources and um, also there is a section all about sweater design schools. So if you are interested in hearing more about it when it opens up again, um, which should be sort of late August time, um, then you can sign up to be notified um, in that area too. Super. Claire, Yay. thank you so much. <laughs> that was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Why I Knit podcast. If you'd like to find out more about therapeutic knitting, you can follow me on Instagram at knittingistherapeutic or at my website, therapeuticknitting.org. If you're enjoying the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and a review on your podcast app. This will help grow the podcast and let more people know about the therapeutic benefits of knitting. And don't forget to subscribe too. Thank you. Thank you.